This week on Deep Night. But hundo is what? That's a catchphrase? It's like um, 100%. (laughs) Okay, I just want to make sure I'm on board. No, I didn't mean to alienate. It just It's become part of my vernacular, and I can't shake it. Well, now it's part of mine. I love it. (laughs) Oh, friends. Hello. It's me, Dale Seaver, your host, your bedazzled companion, and your guide through the haunted chambers of the deep night. Welcome to this hour of regrets and revelations. We come to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Tonight, a light rain falls, a mist covering everything beautifully on this December evening. This week, we will talk to a great up-and-coming talent on the comedy scene, Mo Fry Pasek. Before we get to that conversation, some thoughts on this past week. Here on the home front, oh, it's a magical time of year, isn't it? I've been so wrapped up in my work at the meditation center that I felt like I was falling out of touch with some old friends. Friends I haven't seen for a while. Some of them disapproved of my sudden second marriage, and some of them I never got a thank you card from, and therefore I was holding a grudge. So I said, enough of that. Enough. Time to make amends, and with Galinda's blessing, we invited a few friends over for a holiday party. And my goodness, what a time we had of it. Now, this being my first Christmas-slash-solstice welcoming uh, with Galinda, I got to introduce her to so many Seaver family traditions, and we had all of these at the party. The nog flume, uh, we played Whose Nuts Are These, and uh, all enjoyed some candy cane cobbler. And she taught me a few new things about pagan winter rituals. Pagans love to undress and cheer on darkness, I'll tell you that, which I am totally fine with. Some of my friends, however, took some ad- it took some adjusting for them. Uh, given that Galinda is from a family of some means, and because she knows my fondness for falling asleep beneath the boughs of a giant evergreen on Christmas Eve, she agreed to show me what so many wealthy New Yorkers already know, and that's how to get a Christmas tree in the city. I always thought there were only two options. Either go to one of these nefarious tree merchants you see on the street with dead conifers bound and gagged outside of a CVS, or you could borrow an axe from your neighbor, Bert Andrews, and hike six uh, miles into the snow outside some river town upstate and chop one down yourself. <laughs> but now I know about a third, uh, a more entitled version. Apparently, this is what most well-heeled city dwellers do. First, you hire an expensive SUV limo, and they drive you around to a few of the finest corporate lobbies. You've seen them in Midtown, around Columbus Circle, or down where we went to the Battery. And you enter in, you check things out, you make small talk with the front desk person or security guard. Hey, how you doing? Nice to see. Boy, everything looks great. Don't you love this time of year? You going away? All that kind of stuff. Literally do, literally do. As long as you act like you belong, it's fine. They're not going to say anything. And uh, once you see a tree you like, and they usually got two or three of them set up around there, uh, uh, you walk over, you, you find the plug. For the lights, you pull the cord, you tip the whole thing over and walk right out the front door. You'll have a beautiful tree, spectacularly decorated, uh, full of lights, uh, pleasing to the eye from many angles. They're literally just sitting there waiting for you to pick one out. (laughs) I mean, why haven't I done it sooner? We ended up with a beautiful nine-foot Sitka spruce with gorgeous aquamarine needles that are mighty enough to hold up even the heaviest of my homemade lead ornaments that I love to forge from uh, that which I dredge (laughs) 
from the Gowanus Canal. Oh, happy tree hunting, folks. I hope you unplug a good one. Well, it's time to talk to Mo Fry. She's a gifted comedian here in New York. Her work has been featured in Funny or Die, a reductress.com, number of other publications and online media outlets. She's currently performing with creative partner Tim Platt in a duo that blends stand-up comedy and serious theatrical performance. And she's made a number of videos called All the Art We're Gonna Make with Betsy Kenny, and Betsy's been on this show. She's lovely. Uh, and that's all about poking fun in the creative process. And we do that here sometimes, don't we? Poke. Poke. <laughs> you can often see her on the New York Public Access show, The Special, without Brett Davis. And she plays all sorts of great feminist, uh, very strong, awesome, I'll say that, characters. I- I've admired her for some time, and it's a pleasure to welcome her to the deep night. Let's go there now for my conversation with Mo Fry Pasek. Mo Fry Pasek. Mo Fry Pasek. Uh, hello. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad you could join me here I'm in the so Deep Night Studios and Healing Center. <laughs> you know I love a healing center. Oh, it's very. It's what we need these days, oh my isn't God. it? Give me a crystal. I'm gonna oh. go. Well, you can get one on your way out. <laughs> <laughs> That's for I sure. saw, I saw. Um, uh, you know that guy has crystals. Oh, Honda, <laughs> Like, he has a, them hanging under his shirt, like, That's, as a chain. A, yeah. It's like that hair shirt that the Mormons uh, wear, but yes. made of crystals. Uh, uh, Mo Fry, uh, recently we had a little moment of bonding over uh, the great Aussie products. Oh my gosh, we did. And I felt like we just oh, need to talk about it right totally off the did. bat. I'm so glad you said that. I truly was yesterday going to go buy a full-size product because I only had the travel size. Because <laughs> that smell. I'm amazed that this is, a uh, for our listeners, this mm-hmm. is, a, we were talking, I don't know, you posted something about. on Twitter a joke about letting people know I'm from the Midwest by always smelling like Aussie hairspray. Right, which is this um, uh product mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the hair. Yes. I assume pro- they probably have a body version. It's been around. <laughs> it's been around. It's been around. <laughs> and it struck me as such a wonderful memory right? because uh, I used to use the shampoo yeah. and it has a very pronounced artificial grape flavor. Yes. Or smell to it. Yes. Odor. So strong. It's very you, noticeable. You can smell it a mile away. Even if someone just shampoos with it, not even like hairsprays. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> and it's so comforting. <laughs> It's a little uh, hint of home for you. Right? Isn't yeah. It? Were, you, were you taken back to the time? I was, yes. to the 90s. Oh, I love it. I was flashback back there. Now I use a honey soap, and it is so hard to rinse off. Oh, I'm sure. That's very thick. <laughs> it's so thick. <laughs> I don't know if you should do it's that It's still anyway. on me. Yeah. It's still there. Maybe it's like a moisturizer. But I didn't uh, detect any today. You're not wearing any today? I'm not wearing any okay. today. All right. Thank well, that's you for right. knowing maybe, that. Maybe, maybe another time. I'm going to uh, buy a full size. Uh, Mo Fry, you, you've been in New York three years, you said. About three years. Doing yeah. a lots, of, lots of projects, and I want to talk about many of them. Okay. I first came to know about you, I think, through our mutual friend, Betsy. Betsy Kenny. Kenny. Uh, <laughs> you all have been making a web series. Uh, yeah. uh, are you still making it, or it kind of fallen we away? Make, um, we just did one um, two weeks ago. We make them pretty intermittently, but it's basically when we 
have a couple hours and a camera person and then I have time to edit that week. That's amazing that you find the time. And these things are about the exploration of the creative process. The process. And you all are, are going over things, writing sketches and whatnot, <laughs> and coming yeah. up with great ideas. Very much A little so. behind-the-scenes peek, isn't it? Yes, it's very... Well, It's it was born of that because we spend so much time, Bets and I, because she's my best friend, so we'll just spend, like, hours being like, we should do this. No, we should do this. Like, what if we did this? And then we'll, like, daydream and, like, think of all these exciting things. And so just filmed it, you know? That's wonderful. And how did you meet her? Betsy, I met... I started doing UCB when I first got here, and... um she was friends with a person I was dating at the time. And then when we broke up, I guess Bets like just reached out to like hang. And it, like it was instant. It was like 30 seconds. I was like, oh, this is best friend. Meant to be. Yeah, it truly was. It was like fate all around. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm a great believer in fate myself. And so is Crystal Guy. Yeah, oh, for sure. Now, you're one of these uh, people. Uh, and I'm going to say young people because you are to me. <laughs> Thank you. Who inspire me with your endless output. You're so prolific. Uh, uh, this level of productivity, uh, it's not just a lot, but it's quite good, too. And I don't know how you do it all. Thanks. That's so nice. But um, how do you do it all? <laughs> uh, I have severe anxiety. <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of, I got, I guess I hit New York at a time where it felt like if you weren't doing everything, you were doing nothing. And so, in an exciting way, in a like kick your butt way, and I mean, there are so many projects that I've fallen flat on that I'll be like, I can't do it. I'm just shutting down. <laughs> I'm not responding to emails. But um, I don't know. I guess I do it all with friends. I found a community in Brooklyn that like is so inspiring and like very much so, like not worrying about logistics it's just like if I have confidence as you and as a, as a performer let's throw something together let's do something like let's we have an hour let's do characters at this show and that part is just always inspiring so I guess the people around me it's that old uh, Judy Garland Rooney thing let's put is on a it? show did uh, you do shows in your backyard as a kid oh hundo <laughs> hundo are you kidding my sister and I would like take the co- recorder we would make my parents sit for like Oh, my God, too long. I remember there was this one. You know the Bon Jovi song, It's My Life? Sure. So it starts with, it goes like, boom, boom. Da, 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 da. We just had this one move where we would, like, shake our butts to the beat in front of my parents. And, like, that was the only move for the whole song. <laughs> but we made them watch it like it was this amazing thing. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> you ever bring that one back? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and this was, uh, a, I don't know your origin story. I assume you were probably birthed, uh, fully formed on a clamshell rising out of a mall fountain or it's something. so sweet of you to know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a lot of clamshell births in Madison? Oh, my gosh, tons. I was actually born at an, like in like inside a whale in Seattle, Washington. Oh. <laughs> I was. And then when I was younger, my family moved to Wisconsin where my mom grew up and my dad got a job there. Ah, what did he do? He is a doctor at the University of Wisconsin. Well, yeah, not bad. That's worth moving for. Oh, yeah, it's cool. And then my mom's family is only an hour away in like the Dells area, like Reedsburg, which is not some Reedsburg. people know. Yeah. I've been there. No, you haven't. It's a very small <laughs> town. You've been to Reedsburg? I believe so, yes. I, I It's rarely... a farming community. Yes, yes. yeah. 
Yeah. Are you kidding? How about that? That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's not many people there. I know. Uh, but I believe right they have a, uh, a fermentation festival. Yes, and that have, happens. Wow, they have that. They have Butterfest, and they have one other. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this yeah. is wild. A little Main have, Street. Oh yeah, my yeah. mom used to have a store there. Ah. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. The Main Street is very short. It's like you can see <laughs> the beginning block. from the end. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think there's a gas station. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a gas station. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Quick trip. Eats back. Well, that's funny. I've also been to Madison. Oh man, uh, uh, and that's where I grew up. That's where it really happened for you. Mm-hmm. Good upbringing there. Oh my God, I <laughs> I love Madison. It rules. It's like this like little liberal hippie bubble of like peace and marches, and like I've been doing them since I was three, and I think that's a cool way to raise kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, I was there uh, for a wedding for a friend. Oh, beautiful at the terrace. Uh, it was in some kind of park, some kind of uh, really? state park or some kind of a city park, something like that. And uh, I had my first and only manicure in Madison, Wisconsin. Wow. In a strip mall there. Wow. And I, the young fellow there was, uh, I believe, of Vietnamese descent. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where he was from, but uh, just, just to give you that picture. But he had a lisp. Okay. And I was not familiar with what the <laughs> stages of a manicure were going to be. Okay. You know, it's like you go to a foreign place, you walk into a store, you're, you're shocked if you don't know oh, the language yeah. until you realize they're just saying, hello, how are you? Can I help you find anything? You then you settle into the rhythm of yeah. retail, right? So I didn't know what was going to happen. And he kept th- saying, Lothan? Lothan? Oh, no. And I didn't. You don't understand I don't that. know what. I don't know what part of the thing that is. No. Of course, lotion, like, is, lotion. is what he wanted. And then when I figured it out, I just said yes. Oh, no. As one does in improv. And, and just say yes. massage the hands with a nice lotion. And here's the part. That's the nicest part of the manicure. It so is. Thank God you got through that communication snafu. Goodness, I said yes. It's the best part. They massage like the in between your thumb and your index finger or your pointer finger, and it's like okay. That's what I do for headaches too. It's um one of the um what is it called the in Pressure acupuncture point. yeah but um dragon line something no. like that <laughs> literally it's like opening I forget I used to go to the acupuncturist for like a day. And she was just like, she gave me these band-aids that had needles on them and like poked them in. I was like, keep them on for a day. And I was like, this is insane. No, a day-long thing? It was like short little needles that were stuck with a band-aid. And they're like supposed to stimulate your uh, meridian. That's what it is. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd go for that. I mean, it was kind of cool. I'm more interested in the fact that you've never had a manicure since. They're so good. Well, I did. I, you know what it was? It was shiny. Oh, they cannot. They can. They can unshine. That was his mistake. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about that. They're very shiny. I'll talk to him when it goes. And I did enjoy kind of scraping it off with my teeth. Oh my gosh, it's so hard not to pick off nail polish. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. It's a compulsion. Is that because it doesn't belong? Probably. Isn't that sad? <laughs> Probably. You think a lot about beauty. Oh my gosh, I love beauty. I love it so much. It's what like. I don't even consider it a vice because I don't. Not even personal beauty. Like it's not vanity. It's like. I love beautiful things. I love, like, beautiful art, beautiful people, beautiful animals. I just love beautiful things. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing to pursue in the world. I, know, I love it. I, yeah. But like you go into a Sephora and you, you like that? Um, I'm a VIP Rouge, which is a <laughs> high-level Sephora uh, um, customer. Uh, what, do you get a card with that? A blazer? You get a card. You get, a, like, a, you get gifts, like gifts. It's nuts. They send me so much free stuff just be like because. And what's nice is you have to spend a certain amount to get there. But then my sister, my mom, and I all 
shop on the same card. So then it's like only have to spend a third of the amount. Ooh. I know. You've figured out the way, the yeah, way to baby. beat that system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, so, no, yes, go. Well, I just I remembered something funny. Just the idea of beauty. My sister, um, when we were really little, we'd share a room forever. Um, she would fan her hair out across her pillow which, before she'd go to sleep. And when my parents would ask us why we're doing that, she would say, oh, because I'm too beautiful for a murderer to kill. <laughs> <laughs> no risk of being murdered. like. Yeah. <laughs> but that was just like a precautionary move. We all do things uh, as children. Like, I used to sleep with a knife under my pillow. Did you really? Why? What if it hurt you when you rolled <laughs> I thought over? it was just like a, a little, like a fold-up, a Swiss Army knife. Did you ever have to use it? No. But I did have that sleep paralysis thing once. Horrifying. Horrifying. Worst experience in the world. And then I saw the guy that everybody sees. Oh. Right? I didn't even know creepy. that was a thing. And then people say that's a thing. And I'm like, but I had that thing. Uh, and you had a knife and you couldn't touch it because you were do paralyzed. I couldn't paralyzed. That's scary. When was that? I don't that? like that. Oh, as a, as a kid. Oh, but I haven't had it in a long time. Usually only if I talk about it. I know, and that's a thing, and that's okay. You just exhaust yourself today and fall asleep. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> Luckily, a little dash of booze helps. Woo, and, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, well, a good high school experience there in Amazing Madison? Madison High, high. what right. was it? Madison West High School. Madison West. Who was your rival? Madison East. It, they were... They should have been, but they weren't, like, good enough sports-wise to be. Oh, and so Memorial was. Shame. Mm-hmm. Memorial James and... Madison uh, Memorial. And your mascot? Our mascot was a regent. A regent? A big old lion. Oh, yeah. Yes. Madison West Regents. Oh, gosh, that's a good one. Could have gone great. anyway with that. I know. Great. That's great. I loved high school. High school ruled, and that's so lucky. <laughs> it did. I had a positive high school experience. Oh, that's so exciting. And people say, well, I'd never go back there. And I say, why the heck not? Yeah. I was on cloud nine. <laughs> Woo! What was your mascot? <laughs> Oh, it's more problematic. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> it was a warrior. Okay. I didn't could guess as much. Native American warrior. Yep. 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 We got to figure something out. It's not offensive. This is why we become successful so then we can buy our old high school. <laughs> and change the mascots. And change the mascots. <laughs> the Henderson podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take a crystal as a mascot. That wouldn't be bad. Oh, that'd be gorgeous. It Just could embody so awkward. many things. <laughs> it could be. A shapeshifter would oh, be. <laughs> stunning. Just stunning. You ever see any of those? A shapeshifter? Yeah. Um, in my life? Yeah. I wish. I saw Alex Mack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. She was like a 90s TV show, and she would like turn into like a Capri Sun, like, <laughs> like gel person, and then like float away. <laughs> Wait, that's the whole show? It is essentially the whole show. She, she would t- turn into a, a, a... She has telekinesis uh-huh. is one. But she also would turn into... Remember the Capri Sun commercials? Yeah, I remember basically, yes. She would turn into like that sort of silver goo person and be able to like slide under doors as a goo. Oh, like the Terminator. Oh, I haven't seen, but probably. <laughs> <laughs> I like I age know. differences. And here's the thing. <laughs> I wish I knew. I know enough about Turning to like liquid mercury and slipping around. Oh, that's it. That's exactly that's it. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. But for Nickelodeon or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but more for so like for a good person to do it, not for the Terminator, <laughs> not for evil, who's bad because I know that. Well, it's always confusing, right? Because it's good to we don't need I to know, get into I it. I know, and this is a good conversation, though. I was reminded of a hilarious gag I pulled in Madison too. Fish. 
<laughs> it is. You'll like this because okay. then we'll start talking comedy a little bit. But uh, I was at a wedding, uh-huh. as I said, and they had these disposable cameras okay. all out for it. Now, I don't know anyone at this wedding. Oh, no, no. Wow. And I'm there with my shiny nails walking around, and uh, they have all the disposable cameras at all the tables. And I think, I know. I walk around, and at this point, the cameras, they're just a brick. You can't tell which is the front and which is the back. So I walk around. I say, get together, everybody. Say say cheese, and I have it facing me. Flash goes off, and I say, looks great. And then I go to the next table. This poor bride, she probably had 40 or 50 photos of my face. 40 or 50? (laughs) I took a lot. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? (sighs) Could you imagine, like, not knowing who you were? And like looking at this and be like, who is this? What? And then finding another one. What? Who is this? <laughs> I just ruined that happy idea, didn't I? Yeah, well, they have professional photos, so they, the joke no, works. It, yes, it'll be documented. I but... would make a collage of you and be like, the man we didn't know. <laughs> I've never seen him. I wonder if she had him printed out. I hope she did. I hope she did. I hope that has a special book. That would be Undo funny. itself and on they the tell, shelf. And they tell your story every time like someone visits. <laughs> no one knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> I will never know. Oh, do you like gags, though, generally? Um, Depends. Depends on the gag. Yeah. I laugh at most things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. I know. <laughs> you, ever, you ever have regrets with comedy? Um, Personally or in general? Either. Okay. No. <laughs> Good. I am always growing and learning. If I make mistakes, I think I'm willing to learn. So a uh, young, popular kid from uh, Madison West <laughs> uh, takes off for Boston Yes. to go to college. She goes to college. Why Boston? I got a scholarship to play volleyball at Boston College. Oh, side out. So, oh, yeah. In, <laughs> out, side out. I love it. Those are the things. Um, yeah, I was like... I was not the comedian in school. I was like an actress. I would do like plays and musicals, but I was not a go. comedian in high school. I was the oh. volleyball girl, and I loved it. I was, I like, I was hella good. <laughs> <laughs> volleyball, if you got a scholarship, there, yeah, you gotta be pretty and good. And that was fun. But now, uh, what kind of plays were you doing? You were like a jock that crossed over. Oh, I was the Troy Bolton High School Musical, if you're familiar. Um, <laughs> I am. Madison West High School. Uh, I, I was... still prefer number one to number two. Number one. Of the high school musicals. Oh, always. Yeah. It's it's fun that they tried, but then getting all like, like I don't know, golf course-y. Why are weird. we at the resort? Why are we there? There's some odd lighting choices in that uh, production as well. Really odd. <laughs> really <laughs> odd. Yeah. 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 And then the school got bigger and just like, eh, it was a uh, whole. Why are they all there? Yeah. And then they tried. And <laughs> oh, high school musical. There's a couple of good songs from the second one. But sure. And then they go three. I'm like, okay, we're toast. Yeah, Get yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have time for that. Oh, but know. so what were you doing there? Oh, um, in high school I did, I was the head of hair and makeup at um, our theater production like group. Um, but I did, gosh, I was just like very involved in like all the theater classes. I did, um, I auditioned for a chorus line. I remember devastatingly like I started to play Val because I got Val and then I realized I couldn't do it with my volleyball schedule. Oh. And it was like heartbreaking because I was going to kill that role. Yes. Um, but then I, the next year I did Into the Woods and it was The Witch Into the Woods and that was cool as hell. Come on, these are big parts. It ruled. It was awesome. And then the biggest thing I think I did was this thing called Multico, which was this theater group that my um, teacher had started. She's like a genius 
and just this smart, amazing, talented actor and teacher. And she put together this group of kids. It's like I had mandatory diversity, uh, like things that we had to meet. And we would make sketches, comedy sketches for kids about like gender, race, um, sexual orientation, like family. And we would travel all the schools in Madison, the grade schools and middle schools and perform the sketches for them. Yeah. And then just like have talkbacks about like with the kids learning about social issues. That's very progressive. It was so cool. We did Charlie Brown's Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, they deal with like gender identity and all of that in that. That's amazing. That was oh yes, you get a lot of that too. Yeah, yeah, because Snoopy, of course, is uh, genderqueer. Yes, and Peppermint Patty and Marcy are definitely. I mean, it's all there on the table. I mean, I can't wait for the. I love them. I love them. Great progressive mind. Hundo, (laughs) famously, in fact. But Hundo is what? That's a catchphrase. It's like um. 100%. 100%. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure I'm on board. I, no, you know. I didn't mean to alienate. It just, it's become part of my vernacular and I can't shake it. Well, now know? it's part of mine. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you get to Boston and you're doing volleyball, or I'm how quickly volleyball. does that fall away? Um, I did volleyball into the second year. And then um, it turns out NCAA is like a toxic and awful place to be a young woman trying to educate herself. And it was so bad, so I quit. And um, I then auditioned for the comedy group. Oh, and which I, you had already been following. I like had the girls on my team like liked some of the sketches and like had a shirt from one of their sketches that they like had printed the year before. So I knew of them. But I had auditioned for like the acapella groups, the like like the improv group, also the sketch group. But I got into the sketch group and like oh boy off to the races like yeah. change the world it was the best it was a good thing you saw that shirt truly and it said on the verge <laughs> and it's just like it meant virginity <laughs> and that was a whole bit of the sketch oh. <laughs> and it was very funny but yeah I like I feel very lucky I met people there who had been like like this one woman Brie LaRose she was the director and she was just like you are funny like do not forget that you are very funny and that was probably like first time hearing that instead of like you're a great performer or you're this it was like you're funny i was like sick <laughs> i'm going to go Hundo. with this undo baby i'm going to go with this <laughs> um so but were you did you grow up with comedy um yes yeah. i will say that i again i think a lot of times young women are told that they're not funny they're told they're like random or goofy and I think that tends to be a pattern. Just different terms are used, or like weird, and. But random and goofy has been a hallmark of comedy. It is, and especially women in comedy. But they're not like it's when you're telling a young kid like that they're funny. You're telling a little boy, you say that kid's funny. You're hilarious. Yes. I, you I see it. your point. I, yeah. I know that that I see the kind of negative connotation of that yeah. too. But also, um, it's to me odd that it would be used in a negative way because yeah. it's such a positive. I mean, you look at. Uh, Hugely. Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett and I mean, whoever else go down the list. I am a big goof. And, like, I mean, Carol Burnett is the goofiest all all time. You're goofy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even, like, Dick <laughs> like Van Dyke is, like, goofy. a goof. Yes. But, like, I don't know. I think it's used in a way that it's just, like, trying to label, like, oh, that's that's weird that you're doing that. Like, that's not normal for, like, younger women. And I'm not saying this was, like, people were like, you can't be funny because my family loved it. But, like, outside of, like, in school and stuff. Um but yeah, I think 
I always say my first like stand ups that I liked. The only time I watched SNL as a kid was um, <laughs> I think like '97, and my parents let me stay up because the Spice Girls were on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember any of the sketches? No, I saw. I watched the Spice Girls and the oh, Spice and Girls that was only. It. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> but then, like, as I got older, I like started watching that. Adored it. Um, my sister showed me Mitch Hedberg, and I was like, uh, "This guy effing rules." And um, honestly, I loved Dane Cook. <laughs> there you go. I realized later as I grew up as a woman who like is very conscious of male dialogue and the male voice in the comedy scene that maybe I don't love him anymore. <laughs> but I did. I loved how theatrical he was. Yeah. A lot of uh, humping things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of dick things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I have to say, it kind of bypassed me entirely. I, you're lucky. I I'm embarrassed. I am straight up it's embarrassed. It's okay. If a funny joke is a funny joke. But it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, okay. So you're doing that stuff. You already got a little taste of it up in Boston. And you come down to, that's a weird way to put it, I know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I regret that instantly. But uh, it, then you come down to New York. It seems to me you're one of these people that knew about UCB or uh, beforehand, mm. and um, you knew that comedy could be a path of some kind. Uh, uh, that When did that happen? Um, out of college, you, you'd say, yeah. oh, i go to New York. Out of college, I moved home for like three months, and there was like a big choice for whether or not I was going to go to Chicago and do comedy or New York and do comedy. Yep. And um, there, it's so funny because we had at my school at Boston, like we hosted Zach Braff for these awards. And again, Zach Braff is so douchey. <laughs> and he, he was like giving a talk back and he was like, New York's where it's at. If you want jobs, New York's where you gotta go. I don't know what you guys are thinking. Like, state tax-wise, you can film anything there. And he was, like, just talking, like, making really good points. But, like, coming from him, I was like, oh, this sucks. I think the appeal for state taxes is... Uh, it was... Right? <laughs> that's the one. What? Why? Why did you say that? Like... <laughs> that's gonna be most compelling for the I was like, oh, yeah, graduates. for that production that I'm gonna get going right away. Like, <laughs> right. are you kidding me? So that had me, like, stalled a little bit, being like, should I go to New York? Or, like, should I just go to L.A.? And, um, but then I ultimately decided on New York, because, like, it was close to where Boston was. I had friends going there. Yeah. And I, like, hit the ground running. It was like, sign me up for all the UCB classes. Did your sketch uh, pals come down, too? Um, a f- few of them did. What The mo- the ones that are actually working in comedy now mainly are in L.A. I see. Um, so n- no one from my class continued comedy here. But It's up to you. I mean, it's it's great group. <laughs> the L.A. Ba- babies are, like, killing. And then my friend, like... KK and TN were in Chicago and doing Chicago stuff, and then KK is out here doing comedy again. But when I first moved here, I didn't know that they got they were out here and like doing the stuff. So you, you got uh, into UCB, got involved with those uh, folks over there. And uh, to be clear, if uh, if we didn't establish this, you do stand up, you do video pieces, you do many other uh, appearances here and there, yeah. and uh, uh, you're you're pretty solid. I think in the comedy world, it's a little uh, adventurous, a little. Uh, um, uh, odd Thank you. in its way. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say alternative, but I don't exactly know I, if that applies. Know, fine. Um, but your cohort is interested in maybe the stranger things. I've talked to a lot of them on this show. Yeah. Julio, uh, Torres, Bowen yes. Yang, uh, Brett Davis, Joe Firestone. Um, they enjoy expanding what's possible. And you uh, 
also comfortable within that. Very much so. Yeah. I, I love it so much. I think when I first started here, like I met Joe <clears throat> maybe like two weeks after I moved here. And I like was my UCB classes. I mean, I had like two friends, but when I met Joe, I was like, oh, like you're going to be my friend. I love you. <laughs> and then um, I started doing comedy more at UCB. My good friend Michael Wolf is also um, an artist here and a comedian. And he and I lived together in college and he was doing UCB. So when I got here, I was like, help. Like, what shows do I go to? Where do I go? And he helped with that. And then I started doing like mics and that's where I met Julio is doing this one show like about Pizza Beach. It was some random oh, yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And so I did that show and then I met Julio and he was like, oh, you should do like Fresh Perspectives. You should do like, I'm like essentially like stand up because I was like pretty hesitant at that point. I didn't know where like my skills were strong, but like having someone who I had seen perform and be so funny like julio was just like nothing i'd ever seen before so yeah. having him tell me that i should do it i was like uh-huh yeah okay <laughs> of course yeah <laughs> done this this is it now okay <laughs> and then like and then i meet through julio i meet like all these amazing performers like lorelei ramirez anna fabrega like in the old community and tim platt who i now collaborate with right it's like holy crap it, it just breeds excitement and adventure but so what's the the sensibility shift that happens for you from volleyball star, uh, uh, beauty obsessed, uh, <laughs> loving Dane Cook and the Spice Girls, no. to get to alternative. No. From there to Lorelai Ramirez is a oh distance, God. right? Oh, please never let anyone know. <laughs> it is. Um, but like, how does that transformation happen where it's just like, oh, no, this is actually... I don't think there really ever, where I'm yeah. operating in. I don't think there ever was like a shift because I think, again, like one of my big like descriptors was weird always or like intense uh -huh. were two big descriptors of me through my whole life, and so like, Dan Cook was not the number one. Mitch Hedberg definitely was. I see. I see. <laughs> and and um, I remember the shift probably to like realizing I was just in the wrong scene was I was doing a mic at the, um, the Hot Chicks room at UCB East. And I remember Anna Dresden and Sue Smith were running it. And Anna looked at me like she loved me and it was the nicest, but everyone in the room was dead because I went up and I was like, uh, this is just um, my impression of a cat. And it was like a very accurate and long impression of a cat. <laughs> and it was like, and then when people would start to like laugh or like yell at me or something, I would just like do what a cat would do and like kind of back away and then like just like chill and was like pretty quiet. I used all three minutes and I to do it. And everyone hated it. <laughs> like, it was not good. I'll say that. But, like, when I went to Brooklyn and started doing that more and, like, Brett put me on his Tuesday night special, all these things, like, I, like, people started laughing that I even tried it. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. This scene, these people are a little bit more, like, like helping cultivate what I 
think is funny, mm-hmm. but maybe is it? <laughs> but supportive of the attempt. Exactly. That's 100%. what it seems to be. I yeah. Mean, the, the, the only eyes in the room. Anna was just looking at me like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's great. I love her. And Brett certainly takes his, <laughs> his oh, time exploring God things bless. on his show. Uh, the the special without Brett has. Davis. The patience he has is <laughs> remarkable. Well, you mentioned Platt. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's what's the deal with him? Tim is <laughs> the best person in the world. Um, him and I, like, I truly feel like insanely lucky that I get to work with Tim. He, uh, we both did UCB, and that's like, I mean, kind of a connection there because we we're both in the alt scene in Brooklyn, but we also did UCB. Right. And um, we would do bits at shows, like just together and play characters when we meet each other, and we didn't know each other that well. Um, but this one bit we kept doing was this weird, like antagonizing, like teacher and like high school student characters that were like weirdly sexy and like made everyone around us very uncomfortable. And we were like, <laughs> it was very funny. And so then, um, there's a show called Holy Fuck. Do you know that? Um, uh, yeah. 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 The, so uh, I got a Holy Fuck spot and I didn't know what to do. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like Tim and I keep saying we want to do this, like, this like shtick that we're doing like why don't we just write something up and so we did and like truly have been off to the races since trust each other completely and like it's hard for me to collaborate especially I feel like coming from like an athlete mindset just like intense person like I can rely on me I can do like I'll make the decisions but to be able to trust someone and like know that what they're they're gonna be honest with me and like I can be brutally honest about the comedy and like the timing has been so cool yeah no, that's key. Oh, it's key, and it's something I never had before. Right. And do you, do you look to other, uh, the, sort of the older generation of uh, comedians that would uh, inspire a duo like that? I'm thinking of like Nichols and May that's or something. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, we have had several shows throughout the year, and without fail, every time someone after says Nichols and May, and it's like huge honor. Yeah. So nice that people would So you've that. gone back and listened to those? I had to go back. I yeah. had to go back. You have to go back. And that's it's shameful. I was a very Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke girl yeah. growing up, but I didn't do the, like the comedy duos. Those are obviously very funny people, but like that show wasn't inherently a comedy. Yeah, I think you can come to that later though too. It's a little tough to get into as a Nope, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> Not many high school kids dipping into No, I was interesting. I should have. Ah. Well, uh uh you got a, you got any um this is an awkward transition. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> so bear with me. I'm bearing with me. But you get uh, uh, down at all? Oh, I love this transition. <laughs> um, you're doing everything. As you said, sometimes you do the cat thing. Oh, D- yeah. Doesn't fly. Doesn't fly. When you get to a dark moment, how do you get through that? When I get through a dark moment, I'm pretty reclusive when I'm falling down. Like, I won't go to shows. I'll, like, I'll stay inside and, like, order food. I think any comedian I know is because of their comedic skills is going to have that flip side. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I used to get much more down. I used to have severe anxiety um, in college and would pretty much like shut down my progress in any way. But truly like behaviorally, I've learned to communicate in a way that's been very helpful. So like identifying like, okay, I'm feeling really shitty. I can feel this week's going to feel shitty that's not an excuse, but I'm going to identify that with people I'm interacting with. So, like, 
if Tim and I have a meeting to write a show that we're working on, I've been like, he'll come over and I'm like, how are you? I'm like, I'm feeling awful. I'm feeling cranky and snappy. Like, I don't want to do this and I, I am pissed. And like, he'll just sit and like, just being able to tell people that yeah. has changed a lot. Like, because before I would just sit in my room alone and not experience the comedy world, not experience people because I wanted to isolate. And that wasn't in like a devastating way. I think it's in a very relatable way where a lot of people do that. But that's like the only time I can get out of it is when I like say it. Yes. It's very important to call it as as it's (laughs) happening. It's hard too, though. It's hard to do that. So yeah, I do get down for sure. I don't get down um, career wise. I get down like emotionally. Yeah. As far as comedy goes, like, I believe in everyone that's around me, and I believe in myself, and I think that I'm going to be successful so long as I'm open to different types of success, you know? like That's a great way to be. Right? I think think that's, I'm, like, thankful for the outlook, but, like, to, and I've learned that the hard way through, like, applying to schools when I was, like, 14 and 15 and being like I want this D1 school you know like it's like that not might not be what you need or like what you what is going to help you be happy and so in that regard I'm kind of like great if I love what I'm doing still if I'm working hard and not like self-sabotaging I'm going to find something that makes me happy and successful. There's a great comfort um, and perhaps it, it's, it seems like you're well on your way but that comes with age a little bit that I found that you are happy in the place that you're in, and you have to honor that. And sometimes, if you're not, make changes. But uh, to to be like, this is okay uh, for for where I am. I uh, this is a good moment, and to just hold on to that and and honor that. It takes a little time to get there, but it's a uh, incredibly empowering once you once you do. You say, well, I'm not chasing that thing. This is actually the the right step that I need to. I haven't felt out of place in a while That's because a good way of that, to put it. which is um, a reassuring and helps things along, you know. <laughs> I think so. Slow and steady wins the race because well, it's still moving. You're just at a happier pace. That's right. You know? I sometimes wish I had set some of my goals earlier really? in life, but. It's still but, happening. But are you feeling happy where you are? Absolutely. And that's great. It's and that's great. what you can do. It's great. And I'm thankful for everything. And I talked to uh, my guest, Molly Austin, about this, oh, too. Great, yeah. But I've incorporated my energy practice uh, oh my into into my uh, work and life and been more open that's so about that. It's not uh, and communicating with spirits. Is it like Reiki? Uh, it can Sometimes it okay. is. Yes, um, it's a more. I don't need another person to do it. No, okay. it's just a little bit cheaper. I mean, praise be, <laughs> and that's spiritual for my. And it's not that I'm whole hog into a single, uh, you know, godlike figure, but more a council of elders. Do you have anything like that? I think that's beautiful. Um, do I have anything like that? I. I mean, I grew up very involved in the Catholic Church. Um. Like, I have plenty of, like, fathers in my life that have been very important to me mm-hmm. and very and plenty of sisters as well, like nuns. And, um, but I very much just kind of at this point in my life subscribe to lots of, send, like, sending energies and, like, love and goodness and, like, meditative prayer and I don't care who the hell you're praying to, you know? Like, that sort of idea is where right. I'm at. Yeah. Open. Yeah. yeah, 
Because, like, we don't know shit. I believe in everything. But also, I don't believe in, like, uh, <laughs> patriarchal con- constitutions that tell me I suck as a woman. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't go every Sunday now. I don't. Yeah. Do you go to, like, a place? Uh, or you just is this a personal worship? It's a personal type of deal. Cool. How long has that been? A number of years. That's I would say I've only recently been talking about it. But it's, uh, 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 yeah, I've for cool 20 20 some years doing it always wow. thinking about it protective spells that kind of thing do you think it's like changed your personality like affected you and how you perceive the world uh i think it has to do with that feeling like you're in the right space um but i don't know if it's affected how i view That's myself in the world so much um but I'd have to think about that. Well, that's part a of it. A little bit more. I adore that. <laughs> and I'll also admit to you that I got a little emotional thinking about our talk today, uh, oh, Mo yes. Fry, because I know that this election affected you. Yeah. And as you said, you get emotional about uh, things that aren't related to comedy, but in the world, yeah. and it, when it takes a dire turn. And I would say that your eloquence and your passion against the tyranny of abusive powers, uh, wherever they are, it really moved me. Uh, I've noticed posts and things on social media, that kind of stuff. I know you were involved in the discussion at UCB around uh, some uh, rape culture, rape culture assaults, yeah. uh, a, a business going on there, and more broadly, rape culture in all yes. of its forms. Um, it, it's an unfortunately, it requires a daily uh, effort to call it out uh, and to uh, extinguish it wherever it pops up. Um, so I stand with you on that. Thank I appreciate you. everything. I can't stand it, but yeah. I was, I'll stand with you uh, oh, on that. that. I mean, that means the world. Like, truly, it does. Cause we it, have to be allies in this. We really do. And I think what I didn't realize before I started talking on, like, Facebook and, like, publicly about these things is I thought, I assumed people knew a lot of things. I assumed people felt the same way and especially like throughout like talking about rape culture in the comedy community I found out men that were allies um, truly had no idea about my experiences or women's experiences even if they did support me yeah Um, I found out through like this election just like people didn't realize that you know certain dialogues or and criticisms of Hillary were distractions as far as like like gendering the argument and like just having that talk and like talking with those people I learned so much but did realize that like oh yeah I can't not say anything I have to talk because someone is always going to be listening and always going to be learning and that's what's important because otherwise it sucks and it's it pisses the bleep out of me when people in places of privilege and I say that as a white woman like I am when they say like i'm tired i'm so exhausted it's like yeah how dare you how dare you <laughs> right. like could you uh like you are not, you are not exhausted you have no right to be and again you know who am i to say someone doesn't have the right to be but it isn't it's like that is a sort of this divide and conquer mindset where it's just like well if this group is tired then this group has to fight alone and we're not just one group of marginalized people like you know and uh, right i think it requires everybody exactly to 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 fight just like what's happened in the the pipeline and everything you get the veterans that go out and you get everybody else if that's what it takes it's it's like yeah, it, it is what it takes it is absolutely and this idea that like none of that's going to be successful or these like 
high school bully tactics uh. to make people feel bad about trying to like it's like dissent is patriotic that's this plain and simple you know <laughs> that's the whole thing's like, based yeah. on yeah and so then if it's not within <laughs> someone else's terms then it's not acceptable and now you know now it technically could be illegal which is horrifying yes uh. no, it's uh, the dark clouds are gathered and uh, <sighs> uh, 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 yes i spend every day thinking how are we going to get through it I like I said we set up our monthly donations places like yep. ACLU Planned Parenthood we yeah. call there's wallofchange.org is very good they send four actionable things that you can do a week to like make change like even if it's a phone call yeah yeah you're right I'm pissed <laughs> <laughs> well good I think we have to stay unfortunately angry for oh, uh, as long as it takes yeah but specifically with the improv thing uh, I just you know you meet some oddballs I've taken the classes I've paid the money <laughs> and uh, you. There's some drifters and there's some loners <laughs> that that um, some of whom are like us. They're gifted okay. and they can, they can rise. Others are searching for something. They like comedy, okay. right? In quotes, uh-huh. <laughs> for whatever reason, <laughs> and sometimes the wrong reasons. And sometimes it's they find improv because they feel like, well, here's a place that I can finally say whatever I want to say. Uh-huh. It's a license to do it. What society says that they can or what somebody says they can't mm-hmm. do it. That's the rub, isn't it? It's it's not that kind of a thing. You can't. It's not a space for hatred and small no, mindedness. By no means. It, 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 I met a few of these Did folks you? in L.A. and you just. Mm. I mean, your heart goes out to them because something has is broken in them. But it's no excuse for what they're doing. And uh, I think uh, it's commendable to keep talking about it. And for the changes that have happened within those, I mean, to their credit, have been responsive, I think, largely. Yeah, oh, hugely. I think what I think is interesting is it's not necessarily, though, the people that are, like, those teachers are amazing at, like, yeah. just nipping in bud, like, this is a safe space, don't do that. I think it's not even the institution part, but it's the community part. Right. And of the people who might not be outwardly that like that, you know, it's like kind of wolf in sheep's clothing situation um and that's what makes it hard so but when it is you know brought to light like when rape culture doesn't you know silence it there has been amazing action taken which is very encouraging and exciting and you just it just kills the scene doesn't it oh you you (laughs) know these birds of a feather they flock together these bad people that want to hurt and it sucks and they try and poison amazing and beautiful flourishing communities but you can see it within the improv choices the people i mean yeah that's just like intuition comedy just reveals doesn't it 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 tends to if you're lucky oh we had some i i wish i could go Did on and you? on yeah, about these wait, folks, what are but these i won't people. this <laughs> seems like so a new animal i don't clear know them. That, oh my gosh it was all everything was like we're going to they had to put a body in a trunk or we have to uh, it was all this stuff that was murderers. so out i think they might be <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing those sandals with uh, socks, oh, which makes me oh dubious. That's in that, Los Angeles. I mean, you can't. You, know, you literally can't. You Here, you could do it. Not on Melrose, my friend. No way, no how. <sighs> Unless you're going to that fifteen dollars store on Melrose. <laughs> now, comedy-wise, it seems to me that you found some confidence uh, with all of this other stuff going on. But I think it's also informed your voice a little bit and sort of reinf- uh, reinforced uh, some feelings that you've had and maybe even strengthened it. I agree wholeheartedly. I think I realized that I felt irresponsible um, not addressing these things in some way, either not comedically but or with the voice and with the audience that I've somehow received from comedy. 
and like making sure like I think the person I know that does it most amazingly is Joel Kim Booster because right. you know he'll have a joke that's like you know something about a sex party and then the next thing is like this huge information about like how like the Dakota Access Pipeline like and the environmental regions and like Loretta Lynch said and all of them like they're equally like received because that is his voice his voice is I am politically active this is important to me this is my identity but also I'm funny and I think that is important at this time and I'm figuring it out because I also don't think I'm good at like my jokes are very non sequitur as far as like stand-up goes so I don't know if I can just like throw something in there about like (laughs) like Ivanka (laughs) but um (laughs) but I like yeah I think it really has um changed my perspective and reminded me that it's um important to use my voice Absolutely. Well, I think it's 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 showing even a little bit that I've seen. Uh, I, I like uh, watching the trajectory. And, Thanks. Um, I hope it keeps it's, going it's up. It's going well. You've, uh, <laughs> I think so. What's the daily routine? You work someplace? I freelance. Yeah, I freelance at a um, social media company. I've heard of those. I mean, very popular. It's very popular. I came to New York <laughs> and I like straight up. I was working two internships and a restaurant job when I first got here, and. I like was like mm, social media is easy. I'll just tell them I've worked in social media, and so I managed to get like a job, and then got experience. I worked for like a year and a half, and like and then I got a nice job at this freelance place at this company that I've been working for for like two years, and like right. it turns out if you just say you're good at Twitter, you can learn it through an internship, and then yes. <laughs> and then like all of a sudden you have a job. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird to me that this is a job. That part yes. to me, like just like <laughs> engaging on like different platforms, it needs to be done. It totally, I guess, for as advertising wise, for these people who pay for it, sure. But in my head, I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> like, okay. I'm not sure about it. Oh, I personally think we could do away with everything. <laughs> I think we might have. I'll to. do away with Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for everyone. I'd be okay losing Twitter. I'd be fine with it. I'm fine with it. I love Instagram because I love seeing people's faces. I do too. That's so nice. Not your favorite one. <laughs> it's becoming my favorite yeah, one because I, I don't that. have to deal with everybody. I know. No, very little engagement. You can ignore comments. <laughs> and I might have different personalities on each platform. You and understand, that's and that can be kind of fun too. That's fun. That but was you, like the early days. Of I'm the internet. never over that picture you take me in. Of that is it like a Reese's. Um, oh yes. It made me laugh so hard. <laughs> It was like a, a Reese's peanut butter, like post ET tie in. It was. But the name of the thing, it, it, the word of it sounded like your name. That's why it always reminded me like of you. But like the little like body, too. It was so funny. <laughs> it was like one of the funniest ads I've ever seen. And it just made me laugh. Sorry. But that's Instagram. Like that's you right. could take me in that and be like, yeah. take a look. And I laughed so hard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm glad because, you know, so tagging somebody says, this reminds me of you. I know. Could I have like, gone both care. ways. <laughs> that block. Same <laughs> <like>, unique way. <laughs> Mostly the word. I well, know, kid. It was a sound kind of a thing. I know. So, yes, we'll do away with that. Uh, and you were out in L.A. recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're having some fun out there. Oh, my gosh. It was so fun. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, the land of broken dreams is I just mean, jolly. It is. It was. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Especially the broken dreams. Um, were you doing something out there? Were business I did, related? It's some business, and then I did a show 
I did a couple shows out there, and the one I really loved doing was Andy Kindler's Meltdown, or at the Nerd Melt, yeah. his um, particular show. I got to do that, and that was, like, such a cool experience. How'd the cat go over there? I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, I was weird. I had people after being like, you're weird. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, it was. It was, like, a very huge compliment. But, yeah, it was, like, amazing people were performing, like, uh, just and then everybody watched everybody's set. You know how like in stand-up, like you do your minute, then you go like to the bar or something, but like everybody stayed and watched everybody. And like, oh, Morgan Murphy is so funny. I could just die. And like just watching everyone just like fully engaged and knowing I got to perform on that stage next was like very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, do you go out after? Go to Cantor's or something? Um, I'm just truly <laughs> so bad about going out. Like I am not the comic that like hangs at bars like I'll go and then I'll be like oh my god um, I have really bad acid reflux I'm gonna go home <laughs> like, and so I like stopped by but I went home so you were able to turn those uh, early uh, comments about you being weird mm-hmm. into something that you internalized embraced yeah, and now thrive that. upon I, th- I hope I hope that's what happened it's gotta feel pretty good <laughs> I, I'm happy with where I'm what I'm trying to do and hopefully it'll turn into something that everybody else is happy with. Too. Yeah. You have plans for that? What's the goal? Oh my God, the goal. What's a goal? It doesn't have to a, be the goal. The goal is I wanna. I love to write. I love to act. I wanna like produce my own series. Like I wanna. My dream is in ten years to be able to have a perfect writers' room of people I know and love, and like cast them in a show that shows off all their skills and is funny. <laughs> I don't know. That's a dream. It seems possible to me. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be great. I got a lot of ideas and a lot of, a lot of talented friends. Well, I hope I do hope that people uh, look up your videos and see them because I, I it's that. there's a lot of it. It's a deep uh, dive. Yeah, it but, is. Uh, it's Thank really you for fantastic. knowing about them. Um, you celebrated Thanksgiving here with friends. You had a I good did. time. I had a beautiful time. I, nice. of course, was just with my wife Galinda, and we uh, went out for a midnight walk. Oh, through the Greenwood stunning. Cemetery. Oh my gosh! Was it those. chilly? It was, and uh, this was um, uh, an elaborate ritual it that is. we had involving garlic, a pumpkin pie, and a body stocking uh, woven from broken treaties of oh, the 1800s. Wow. Very powerful. Oh my gosh! I feel the power right now. Yes, uh, Christmas. You're going to go back there. Well, I'm going to do that first. Yeah. I'm going to walk through with a broken treaty. Um, oh, yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm going to do that. I'm going to eat the garlic and the pie. Um, Christmas, I'm for the first time in three years, I'm going home to Madison for Christmas. Oh, a ticker tape parade will surely await you. I hope so. <laughs> I'm so excited. I, I like, yeah, I used, like, when I first got here, I couldn't do Christmas because I was working and at this dumb-ass restaurant. And, and <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so excited. What are you doing? Are you and Glenda doing another walk? Oh, we'll, we'll probably do uh, something like that. We would, It'll be colder. Uh, yeah, it's going to be our first Christmas together, so we'll see. But I we may know. spend some time uh, traveling a little bit, going out to uh, Pennsylvania, into the woods, and oh. maybe out to the great state of Ohio. Wow, okay. Uh, just to see the red state living. Um, it's weird. <laughs> well, uh, you know, also this year, it's been such a marvelous year. Oh, honey. My favorite year. <laughs> Great things. But uh, one of the things that's closing is Over the Eight. I uh, can't believe. A wonderful little space in Williamsburg-ish. Mm-hmm. 
at Williamsburg, and uh, I performed there. I just wondered if you wanted to say a couple words about that place and what it meant to uh, you. R.I.P., you know? I, I do think that in every, like, class of comedian's life, their, their venues are going to come to a close. That's just, like, truly the artist's life. You look at, like all these art spaces throughout history of New York, like all of them close, <laughs> all of them do. I'm not saying you like that, you know, over the, it's an art space, but it's where a lot of us got to meet each other and come together and do weird, weird stuff that we couldn't do on like another stage. Right. Um, so it feels fitting that it's closing, but it feels sad. Like I like my parents have seen me perform there. Like I've seen, like met so many friends there. It's, it's so cool. Ugh. Yeah, I'm sad. Well, it uh, we need those small spaces, and a new one will crop up, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. And be, be meaningful. Um, a lot of the places that uh, I've performed in have gone, as you said, mm -hmm. and I started to worry that it's me. So <laughs> <laughs> watch out, well, Joe's pub. You performed at Over the Eight. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's pretty much a guarantee. Um, mm. Well, I, uh, I, I, I'm i fond of you. I'm fond of your work. I'm glad that we had this chance to, to talk to you. It's a bright uh, uh, horizon out there. I, I hope think. so. Yes. I, I mean, maybe we'll be having this talk next year and I'll have quick comedy. I'm just going to be an activist. Pissed off all the time. <laughs> well, that's okay, too. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping maybe we could do a video project sometime. Um, we got Maybe it. a makeover. Oh, we got it, because it's come. Okay, yeah. Okay. For sure. For um, sure. That would be, we can do a shopping spree at Barney's or I, Mike's Big and Tall. The first time I saw Clueless when I was three years old, and they redid Ty, and they made her beautiful <laughs> and cool. Like, we're going to do it. We're going to take Polaroid pictures. We're going to we're gonna have the best time. Okay, good. <laughs> it's going to rule. I look forward to it. I had a great Dude, time now. I had a great time. Mo Fry, thank you. Thank you. This ruled. All I, right. I feel like I talk too much. Oh, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for being here. Oh, now, wasn't that time well spent in the deep night? Isn't she something? I'll tell you, uh, uh, I enjoyed speaking with her. I also uh, want to let you know about two upcoming shows that you should not miss. In fact, three shows, uh, two that are mine and one that is not mine, but I'm fond of. So first, that one, go see Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812. My goodness, what are you waiting for? It was directed by Rachel Chavkin, who you remember was on the recent live episode of this program. And uh, also within the cast, and there are so many great people in this cast, former uh, guests of this show, Grace McLean and Ashley Perez Flanagan, both uh, terrific in it. Uh, Josh Groban's also in it, if you go for that. So he's there. Uh, important, beautiful theater. You're going to be transported by a very spectacular love story among two, uh, possibly five, maybe 20 people. Uh, it's, it's worth your time and attention, so I hope you'll see it. Two of my shows. First up, we're back at the Slipper Room in New York City with a live show January 11th. It's a Wednesday at 8 p.m., and my guests are going to be Michelle Buteau, Daniel Kibblesmith, Vinnie DePonto, and Sandy Honig. That's one for the ages, folks. Then on Saturday, January 21st, at 4.30 in the afternoon, we make our fourth appearance in San Francisco at the SF Sketchfest with a live show featuring Allie Gertz, Irene Tu, Philip Ross, and Lisa Mezzacapa on bass. It's free. This one's uh, going to be full of great people. I hope you can make it out to Piano Fight to see us at Sketchfest. Now, uh, that's going to do it for us here. And remember that though this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Till next time. Showed you your 
Deep Night is written and performed by James Bewley with production assistance from Harvest Works in New York City. Music throughout each episode is provided by the amazing talents on the artistic roster of Howler Hills Farm in the great state of Ohio. Deep Night theme by Zach Gabbard, Season 9 podcast icon and logo designed by Samantha Mash. Download episodes directly through DaleRadio.com or subscribe and review the show on iTunes. Also available on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Follow Dale on Twitter at Dale Radio or Instagram at Dale Seaver for behind-the-scenes peeks into the production of the show and the life of Dale Seaver. Thank you to all the subscribers and supporters of this program, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs>